0: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 639, continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. We're still in the AL East, and we're heading to South Beach, to the Miami Marlins, a team that does have some very interesting fantasy players, but also a whole lot of... Uh, and that's what we're going to get into, to see what's, what's good and what's bad in Miami. And to help me break that out, who better? to tell me what's good and what's bad in life and in fantasy baseball than a guy that's crushing it at mlbplayingtime.com it's a great resource for your lineups lefty righty splits all the good stuff and you know he gets bored there'll be more stuff as time goes on and you can find him on twitter at mike underscore curlin my buddy mike curlin how you doing
1: fantastic bubble you know I dressed up as the Florida Man last time I was on your podcast, and I should have brought the Florida Man it type of vibe for from this me. one. Yeah, because <laughs> but the problem is, is this isn't a Florida Man. T- like this is there's not a whole lot of exciting things with the Marlins. I'm not. I'm. I, I know you joked because you knew I was gonna be pessimistic today because uh, yep. this yep. team, like, there's a couple exciting players, but I don't
0: know. Ah, it is what it is. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to say the least. But um, we'll have some fun with it before we get into that plug away at mlbplaintime.com
1: should i do it for six minutes again no, no
0: preferably not but you, i'm giving you some time to go here
1: yeah no I, i'm joking it's uh <laughs> that was funny i'm glad i'm glad i got multiple text messages about that by the way but really? <laughs> but it was because i was excited and i still am but um it's we're kind of like auto like kind of just moving through the motions now waiting for signings as like you know joey gallo signed so in on some interest, uh, some contract information, but I well, I'm, kind of, I'm
0: kind of offended that your top person is not Reese Hoskins. You said Joey Gallo is signed. Come on, man! What show are you on? What show are you on?
1: Well, we we're gonna get there, but I was gonna I go. Know. Joey Gallo signs so updated That I was gonna say Reese Hoskins just signed. Obviously, yeah. we're gonna go. Uh, so I updated that one. I just think it's one of those things where jo- uh, Reese Hoskins is more obvious. Joey Gallo and people might not realize. Like they, uh, the, one of the beat writers mentioned they wanted a lefty outfielder, but then you look at this roster and they didn't have a first baseman because. Joey Manessis, although can play first base, I don't think he's the starting first baseman just because last year how they utilized him or lack thereof at first base. 19 games so he just missed the eligibility, I believe. But they've already come out and said that they want him to be more of a DH. So if that's the case, Gallo plays first. I think I'm, I'm personally plugging Gallo in at first base. Why Why does it matter? Because that leaves that I feel like it's a little more security for um everyone's like favorite stone garrett. Mm-hmm. so I think Stone Garrett has a little more security than we might expect assuming that they hold true to what they said about manessas deaging so that's kind of the main fallout but that's so that's kind of what the main point of the site is is to not only pr- uh, offer lefty righty lineups on my lineup pages, but then the notes kind of highlight my reasoning why I might play have a guy plugged in here versus here track records et cetera so. Of course, Reese Hoskins just signed. That's updated already. And I usually update them. If I'm not available the day of, it's the very next morning when I'm either first thing I do when I get home type of thing from work, stuff like that. So, but it's, um, it's pretty up to date, pretty quick. And it has all the lineup stuff. I'm going to probably do a little write-up about these moves. Like, so how I mentioned Joey Gallo, I'll probably do a write-up on how obviously stock up for him who it affects reese hoskins how willie adams kind of might slide down the lineup a little bit versus righties and although a small downgrade it's still technically one because now he's gonna get a few less play appearances most likely to start the year if he hits where i'm thinking he's gonna hit around fifth against righties so again just little things just something worth mentioning like like hey just watch those play appearances and you know blah blah blah. but i'm talking very small playing time issues for him obviously jake bowers takes a big hit etc so uh, that's kind of the main purpose of the site just to watch all those trends and just kind of have the whole site just be about playing time performance um anything like that and usually write up the implications of it and then those implications i let the viewer take them because it's a very
0: objective it's very objective view of the of the implications and you can uh apply them how you see fit yep most definitely good stuff i hope people are using it because it is very very helpful to mix and match things and go from there the other question i'll ask you before we get started as well as i would ask every guest on this show because majority are fans of the team how were your thoughts on 2023 as a marlins fan
1: surprising
0: i didn't expect them to be as
1: competitive as they were and i think if you look at like the run differential i, I think they were one of those teams that shouldn't have been as um as competitive as they were. I think they were like a negative. I have to go back and look, but I remember at one point they were like winning record with like a negative 30 run differential or something stupid. Like it just didn't make sense. And this team isn't built to, this team is built to scrape by because as, as we'll get into like the hitters and stuff, they have some pop, but they lack some on base guys that kind of have some at the top, but it's a lot of boomer busting this time. It feels like a lot of mediocrity losing Solaire, crushes them and i don't see this team this team hasn't made a free agent signing yet we're talking we're what january 24th mm-hmm. they've made a ton of front office moves that are very, actually probably the most interesting thing about this offseason is looking at this team as i think they're about to go full like every player is rumored to being traded and not just old guys we're talking about every, pretty much everybody but Yuri Perez was kind of one of the reports I saw floating around there and I'm like so that means his Lizardo who's in his prime has a few years of control he could be out he could be out the door by midseason Braxton Garrett seems like an obvious trade candidate uh, Jake Berger if they, if he hits really well for the first half Josh Bell obviously I think he's on the final year of that deal I think this team's looking to move on and move their window for, to a couple of years from now because I believe the guy they brought in was from the rays like one of the main guys that's like yes. looking to kind of do that so and then they they, they brought in um another because you know they, they don't develop pitching well enough obviously so the marlins brought in that guy from driveline for to help with pitching and create like a spot mm-hmm. for him they brought in the um the young lady from the uh, Yankees, apparently, I, I knew nothing about her. I still for, I forget her name, but um, I, apparently she has a really good reputation because I asked the fans. The first thing I was like, hey, fans, someone tell me. And, you know, Yankees fans on Twitter of yep. all places too are going to be super honest about about a person. Mm-hmm. I've heard of her and I knew of like, of her, but I didn't know the reputation of her. And she has a great reputation so for Big player time. development and stuff like that in the minor leagues. I'm like, sweet, she has a larger role with us. Um, So it's like one of those things where I'm loving these moves from the front office point of view. But that's telling me that this team is really going to try to be like the Rays and not a team. It's just so all it is is a new ownership with a willingness to lean more on the analytics and and player development side of things, which is fine. But I wish they would like maybe they'll get back to mid tier spending again because maybe that's what it is. They're waiting. They're trying to get the Abby Garcia contract off the books. They just got Soler's contract off the books. So get some of the clear up some of the space that they use on guys that aren't panning out, and maybe fix some of the player development while also you know bulking up the minors. And in two, three years, this team can be a Rays-type best-case scenario. There's a chance we end up being more like the Giants in the Rays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, no offense, but <laughs> you get yeah, what right. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, my point My point being, though, um, I really like the direction they're going with player development because this team has lacked in player development in terms of the offensive side of things. Obviously, pitching has not been an issue. But the Marlins' lack of signings, letting players go like a Solaire, not, not being in on a Hoskins at that price, that tells you all you need to know about what direction the Marlins are moving. So – I'm rather pessimistic. I don't. Th- I, I don't think they're going to be as lucky with their run. I mean, they have the pitching to kind of scrape out those low win types of like those low run types of games. But
0: that's a hard that's a hard line to toe two years in a row. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. Yeah, we'll see. It's a team that uh, has surprised us in recent years, but if they start wheeling and dealing and rebuilding or whatever you want to call it with where they're at right now. Could obviously make things interesting. very tough division as uh we've, <laughs> we've noted help. on this show as we've gone through the braves and the mets and then you have the phillies who make runs every year like it's it's i get it division. i get it okay i'm, <laughs> just, I'm just you know throwing <laughs> all the opportunities for it uh, sucks we are not the nationals maybe we'll see well i've got that preview coming up later this week but um let's get into the hitters on the marlin side of things and we'll start with dj jazzy jazz jazz chisholm and it's just the yearly thing that i think it's a broken record now is stay healthy this guy's amazing well right now you're only paying an adp of 75 give or take which is actually kind of low it feels like in recent years for jazz chisholm but probably appropriate for what we get what's your thoughts on chisholm is it just same old same old stay healthy or do you have like better expectations
1: no it's a matter of um if you think he could stay healthy, which he hasn't really proven to be able to jazz is a smash at the spot, but I've seen him fall. Like I actually, at one point I had his max, I got one or two shares and they both been past ADP. Yeah. Right it's now, max, jazz. right now, max is a
0: hundred over like the last two weeks.
1: Yeah. And back when I got him was a couple, it was a couple drafts ago and he wasn't on my targets, but he's a guy I'm not fading. I just. At that price i like there's guys that i trust more or i'm going for starting pitching so i haven't landed on them and so i guess i am out on the the adp but when he falls like when jazz falls like the 90-ish range which is where he fell in the one draft i took him that was an easy take and i think we could see jazz like he's not a guy who i think he's a guy who's going to fluctuate i think jazz because of the health but i'm more like i will take him closer to the max pick as i've proven to do but i'm, I'm pretty much out at his pick i do like jazz i mean i think there's no denying the talent at this point you know what he is He's a guy who has 30-30 potential. I just don't know if he'll ever get there because can he stay healthy for it? So um, that's all you got to do. Are you willing to take the risk? And I think it's fine. I, I'm honestly fine with you. anyone taking the risk in the fifth or sixth round. It's just a matter of you better build for that. You, ha- you have to know that you're going to need an extra outfielder or you're going to have to be a little more willing to – stream outfield if it's a fab league or you know whatever if it's not a draft drafting hole i'm just right now i'm full on dc in my mind right now so it's like maybe maybe if you do dcs you go for 10 outfielders maybe grab an 11th knowing that jazz might need that replacement value that replacement and jazz plus replacement value outfielder like a charlie blackman maybe or something might be a serviceable like might end up paying off his draft price type of thing so there's a lot to consider however it's just one of those things where i don't land on him at adp but i am taking him when he falls so I guess I'm technically out at costs, but I'm not out on the player. If he falls beyond that, yeah, uh, no in picks or max or beyond the ADP.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I still have a soft spot for jazz. Cause this is a legit. He's just so good. 30, 30 beast. If he stays healthy and that's just the, if we've been waiting for, but we just saw Lou Bob finally do it last year, put up like 38 and 20. Um, So it's, it's doable. It's just like the thing we said last year, even when they said that, Oh, we're going to play him in center field and all of us like, Why? Why are you doing this? He always gets hurt. Leave him out of there when got hurt. So um, that's kind of how it works. Let's hope he stays healthy, and we'll see how it goes. Let's talk Jake Berger here. I love Jake Berger. I've liked him in years past. Uh, 250, 34 bombs last year. But when he came over to the Marlins, looked like a brand-new man, like released from the shackles of the White Sox. 303 average with nine home runs basically in two months for Jake Berger. Uh, what's your thoughts on Big Jake? ADP of around 165 the last couple of weeks.
1: If you miss out on power, you know Burger's got it. That's kind of the guy where like you don't have to worry about it. He is going to be set and forget type. I think I, I do think Burger is like going to be two forty to 30 home runs, and that's very realistic to expect. Path to better batting average, I believe uh, Bloomfield mentioned on your podcast as well. Yep. The cutting down on the swing and miss, making more contact. That's like this a guy with this type of power. If he hits the ball more, it's going to work out in his favor for a better bad bips, better batting average. And I believe Chu mentioned, see, I listened to your pods bubble because I think I, Chu mentioned, I, I love you. I think Chu mentioned that this is like a f- f- uh, free promotion that uh yep. he was talking about because he looks at the, you know, he's big on the moving graphs and all uh, this, the moving graphs, stuff. <laughs> the, uh, the what's it called, graphs? Help me out here. PLV graphs. The yeah, but rolling, uh, the, rolling the graphs. I'm rolling. sorry rolling graphs rolling graphs thank you moving rolling yeah you get my point okay. um I think they're useful I think they're fun I think they could tell a story if you catch the right trends in the right win, you know windows and I think Chu did that with Berger showing that he was making these changes and making these improvements prior to the Marlins so the Marlins get the credit even though he was already kind of moving towards that direction which was nice to see however the Marlins I feel like have kind of and you can they've gone a contact heavy approach they they went out and got guys that make a lot of contact. They went out and their prospects make a ton of contact. And it's one of those things where like Jesus Sanchez, we saw last year at times, kind of like, even when he has the power, there was just, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about him a little bit. One of my frustration, frustrating things about him is that the ground ball rate went up, but I think that was at the expense of trying to make more contact and be and just get the ball and play more because the power will play up naturally as he just makes more contact so i think there's a little give and take here maybe that's the type of way the way they're kind of going about with their hitter development or their hitter approach is like hey let's go ahead and make more contact and look, the power will play up naturally for some of these guys and um we saw it for burger i don't know if, but the problem is, is burger has that elite
0: power skill set already and, built in kind
1: of let yeah. say he he doesn't need to uh generate power so much as it's already there he just needs so- to generate more contact <laughs> I think, yeah, more contact yeah. will help him regardless. So, Burger's guy that at, at cost, he's one of those guys like he's in that window of like, hey, do I need power? Sure, I'll go Burger. If I don't need power, I'm, I'm pivoting off Burger. You can go into a draft kind of like, hey, I know he's there, him, um, other guys like him, Hoskins, um, Solaire, they're all kind of going in this range. So, you pick what you got to do is you got to pick your favorite, and um, you could build around a, an approach that, hey, I know I'm going to get a power guy here. Muncie, a little behind these guys, so to speak. So, he's right in that window of like, I can take power or. If I'm built, if I get power early, I'm going to pivot off him. I think that's kind of the approach you should go for him. I don't, I wouldn't bank on that the the batting average, but if he gives it to you, it's a plus type of thing. But uh, Burger, I think he is what he is, and kind of the going to be the, the 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 he is what he is thing is going to be the thing for like most of these players on this list, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of what the Marlins are. But yeah, with Burger, the one thing I like best is not just the late power, which is so like you mentioned some guys right there, but it gets fewer and far between, deeper in drafts, obviously. But with Burger. Um, but a third-base position that feels kind of more top-heavy, but it just kind of opens up. He's a good one if you missed on some of those kind of earlier guys. He, he's a great one to circle, maybe jump around just to make sure you get a third baseman. And you can be, like you said, set it and forget it. And there's a lot to be said about that in drafts. or You just don't have to worry about it, dude. So I, I like that about him quite a bit. All right, you mentioned Luis Arai is going to lead off for the fish. And uh, this is a guy I never draft because I just – he's a – he can score runs, he'll he'll help you there, but all he does is basically hit for an elite average, not gonna knock that, but it's like a one trick pony. He's basically a rabbit in batting average department for me. And I'm just I'm probably slandering him too much, but ADP of 161 over the last couple of weeks, going right before Jake Berger. So what's your thoughts on Arise? Because I know a lot of people love him, and I'm in a probably a minority, honestly, but I'm just not a fan. So Arise is one
1: of those, it's a he's a weird one. He's only played, he's never gotten above 150 games in a season. It's, only, it's 147 was his career high last year. Back-to-back batting titles. So in today's game, there's something to be said for that, but I still don't, I'm with you. I've never found myself intrigued by the draft costs. I don't like building teams that require them. I have one share and it's in a um it's in uh, the Gladiator. And it's, of course, it took Schwarber because I had to do the typical Schwarber-Arius combo. But um, those are both yeah. guys I expect to play a ton, hit a ton, and because Schwarber walks so much and Arias doesn't, it's kind of a good balance, and they'll average out to being about, I don't know, two 25-ish home run guys, and that's the thing. That's why it's like I hate taking him because he's a negative. I hate taking Rise because he's a negative in a lot of spots in terms of like power and um, stolen bases. The counting stats are okay, not great. Uh, the Marlins aren't going to be a good team, so the runs will be there, but even last year, hitting the top of the lineup, playing his career-high games, he only had 71 runs. So Ryze isn't a guy that I would anticipate much more than 80 runs from. So he's kind of like the two-category guy-ish. But I obviously one being a super elite uh, category, but I hate the idea of like, hey, I'm taking Schwarber to make me stand out in power, just for it to be like, yeah, now he's not a standout. Yeah, in now power. he's not a standout anymore. It's a great point that I think it's overlooked. I, so often. I don't, I don't like that. If I'm taking Schwarber, I understand the risk I'm taking, and batting average mm-hmm. might be a dump, but at least I'll be a strength at something else. Whereas if if Uriah is some for some reason, again i would not expect him to hit under 300 he's done it once in his career and it was 294 in 2021 so i don't expect the rise to hit under 300 i i I do understand that that's pretty it feels as confident as as safe as you can get for a 300 hitter but it's still banking on a guy that and but we're talking about a guy that goes back to health now yeah he's done back-to-back 144 147 games played but all it takes is for him to be closer to the 121 or less the three years before that and now you're not even getting that the elite carrying tool isn't carrying as much so i don't know man like i'm I, I just he's not for me he's for somebody and he always seems to the funny thing is is arise always seems to be like if you look if you looking at projections and I, I haven't looked at sgp for him because again he's almost off my boards and i hate to make anybody off my board but rise has been he's always a guy i feel like is underappreciated in drafts and always ends up earning more than we draft him to be so he's always a net positive but it, it doesn't matter to me because i don't care cuz he doesn't fit my roster builds and I'm always caring about how my roster builds are. I could care less if a guy is a positive performer if I don't know or if I don't feel comfortable utilizing him and building
0: around him appropriately. Yeah, so. and that's, well, that's the last to catch with their eyes like you mentioned it takes the power away from Schwarber and you could say the flip side. Now rise is just an average hitter um, at that in average wise. Um and it's also a great topic of conversation cuz a lot of uh, us people like to reference you know dollars earned which is usually a pretty strong part like when acuna earns 70 something dollars well yeah that was pretty awesome um at the same time when you mentioned arise he will earn his dollar value but what he does for your fantasy team as a whole does he really earn what you need on your team that's the real question because like i said he's like a one trick pony and he's a consistent one trick pony a lot better than guys with steals that could get hurt and everything but it's just one that yeah i'm with you i've never been on team arise and I've been okay with that, so I think I'll just keep riding that train. You mentioned Josh Bell earlier, probably a trade candidate. makes a ton of sense, honestly. Uh, last year he hit 247 with 22 home runs between Cleveland and uh, the Marlins got traded at the deadline just like Berger did, and he hit 270 with 11 of those, half those home runs in two months with Miami. He played pretty well. I remember picking him up off the wire, using him in DFS. He, like, he similar to Berger, just – you know you just new lease on life type stuff now will that carry over we'll see but an adp of 263 does bell do anything for you does he ring your bell
1: a little bit now we're talking about, now we're going the opposite way of a guy that before last year hit 261 or better last, two years uh, leading into last year and we saw him again we saw him hit closer to the 260 mark it was obviously 270 and change while he was with, while he was with miami so josh bell you know what you're getting again. This is a guy that you just know what you're getting. That It's always had. He's always had leak plate discipline. The power has always been there. Like the potential has always been there. Always strong, uh, strong, hard hit rates. The barrel rates always been good. Last year was actually uh, better than average 10% for the second time in his career. Last time he hit a barrel like that was back in 2019. So Josh Bell, the power is not a question and if everyone I don't know if you guys everyone has to remember how his dad been in the stands ones like <laughs> how juice his dad was right that's what comes to mind still to this day but uh this is a guy that above average contact below average chasing uh he's creeped closer towards average swing and miss in the zone the swing strike right I mean not in zone but in the swing strike right uh, which I guess you have to assume strikes are in zone right not necessarily but uh yeah so it doesn't matter That's uh my point being is that it's kind of like a good pro it's a decent profile one that feels rather safe and josh bell kind of is like a you know what if you really waited on first base you can get by with him starting but he's better served as a corner infield in deeper formats and anything shallower than 15 it's hard to roster him unless you have corner infield spots but even then there's just there's more upside around him. there's more upside later there's he's kind of best served for 15s and that is a corner infield i don't think the ceiling is ever, i don't think he's ever gonna hit that ceiling we saw what was it that first that magical half of year was that 2019 yeah it was 2019 of course it was the juice ball year that yeah. magical first half of the year that was like amazing and that he just never lived up to it since kind of flashed a little bit close to that in 21 so we, i think 2021 might be the ceiling so when you look at 2021 for josh bell 261 27 home runs you know decent like 80 and 80 almost in the runs and rbi a little less runs a little more rbi i think he can flip that batting second or third in this lineup so um good a very good player not great nothing special no carrying tool at least consistent carrying tool potential yep. for one wouldn't bet on the home runs really being much more than 25 ish and that's what projections have him: 23 22 batting 258 256 uh, over 140 games so I can see the so if you add those so 142 games feels light considering he's played 156 and 150 last two years so you up that to 150 he'll be closer to that 25 home runs I was mentioning so yeah at the end of the day uh, Josh Bell is Josh Bell and he's
0: another guy though it's just one of those where you kind of in a 15 team league it's we just set it and forget it corner infield or even late first base just for the 25 home it sucks you just have to be careful. He's streaky. Yeah, he's very streaky. That's why I kind of said it and forget it is what I'm saying because you, in a roto, you just want the total end game. So don't try to play the streaks because you know how that goes. That usually it's, ends poorly. It's
1: weird with him though because he could be streaky. It's like I've noticed with Josh Bell because I've been a huge Josh Bell guy going back to 2018, 2019 when I was like getting into this. Uh, he was one of my first like breakout picks. Like I could go find the podcast or uh, sleeper picks, whatever it was. Doesn't matter um it's a hilarious podcast i was awful and now it's not that i got much better i'm just more comfortable talking um, <laughs> yeah, but, you are. but in all seriousness uh josh bell is uh just he's one of those guys i've seen him he performs in bunches like last year you mentioned how bad he was with cleveland how good he was with miami if you go back to washington in 2021 or 2022 he split i, I forgot what was washington and who. he went to san and, diego and san diego, san diego. nothing if you go he look at the like it's
0: non-existent
1: he was yeah. great with washington Awful San Diego. So it's one of those things where it's almost like a first half, second half, and you can't tell which one's going to happen. But like last year was like normally it's been first half and second half fall off. Last year for Bell was the first half suck, second half uh, took off. So – but it's almost like a full half at a time is what I'm getting at. So even though streaks, like you mentioned, it's impossible to get the streaks – it's one of those things where maybe
0: you just ride the the larger heart, larger charges. samples of streaks basically. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. It's And again, there's no, I doubt I doubt there's anything sticky about that, but I've just noticed like when he's on, he's on and when bell is off, he's off. So, uh, so, but yeah, it's tough. You can't like you mentioned, you can't time it. So you're better off kind of just keep riding the bad
0: with the good because you don't know when the good's going to turn on and when the bad's sure. going to uh, stop. So, well, according to this outline here, this is bad. AKA sucks. Uh, Avisil Garcia missed most of the last season due to injury Ended up uh playing in thirty-seven games at three homers, stole two bags, hit one eighty-five. And right now has an ADP of six ninety-three, even though he's projected to DH for the Marlins. Curlin, enlighten me why you're not a fan of Avasil Garcia. You're muted. You're muted.
1: Oh my god, what a rookie mistake. Um so I wrote he sucks. I was that's why I was laughing because he sucks. Like he just was awful last year. He has some like, like okay, cool. The barrel rate was good last year. The hard hit rate was good. How much of that was that fact that he barely touched the field against righties when after he got back from injury? How much of it was the injury just lingered all year? Garcia's I, he's past his prime. He hasn't done anything since coming over to Miami. The one year that he was good in Milwaukee before leaving, um, the, it was like a he still did okay against righties, so like a seven eighty OPS, which is. Serviceable, very good, good enough to start every day, you know. But since then, he hasn't put. Up his, I don't think he's had six hundred OPS as a whole, let alone versus either side of the ball, even against lefties. But uh, at least I was looking online. I have to, I have to go back. I'm mixed matching my players. I know he's been just terrible with, with Miami. Period doesn't matter. But um, so last year, after returning on July thirtieth, he started against just two of the final forty one games against righties. I don't know how many of those games he missed day to day or because I remember him kind of dealing with lingering issues, but still only two of the final 41 games against righties since returning from the IL. And he did play throughout those months, just sparingly. Right. And um, that's a concern. And that was with a team that wasn't exactly like, didn't have, didn't have reasons not to play him. The Marlins lineup hasn't been, anything to write home about right you have john birdie playing every day you have jesus sanchez playing every day who's like hit or miss or playing as I should say gary hampson was factoring in getting playing time at times uh xavier edwards would come in and out like i don't understand how a guy that's I, i lack confidence in the playing time when they're making room for others and not him and against righties anyway so I don't know, man. I don't think there's a whole lot of upside there. Maybe he gets a shot to start against righties, and if he falters, it's a very short-lived one. So that that that's that stat that really stood out to me. And but maybe it is health-driven. So much swing and miss in that game. We're talking like I think the swing strike rate was like fifteen percent. It was it was wild. Like a really high. He was willing to chase too. So you can hit the ball as hard as you want, but if you're not hitting the ball, if the ball is not in the zone that you're hitting hard like that, you're gonna hit or maybe you're hitting hard into the ground. I don't know. I was see theory that was just the. Not my cup of tea. I don't care at what cost it is. I don't know if the playing time is going to be there all year kind of thing. So I understand like, well, in D.C.'s, you know, he has playing time. Yeah, if you trust that he's not going to platoon, I don't trust he doesn't platoon. I Or maybe he doesn't right away. I just don't think that the Marlins are going to give him a long leash. Maybe they want. To, maybe they will because they want to trade him, but no one's going to take that contract. You're not getting, you're, you might get a bag of balls for him if you're lucky. Yeah. I don't know, man not a yeah. fan and i don't see a i don't see a relevant path playing time the whole year and that's why i don't predict them to start day one against righties but that might be a little too pessimistic i can admit but i don't know man that that trend the way the end of the year and when i see guys like garrett hampson and stuff getting playing time over you against righties of all play oh yeah, that's things, not good that's that's like why would i believe that you're suddenly going to start full time and that's why i saw ross resource has him as a full-time starter and i'm like i guess and the spring training might tell us that too, so I'll change my tune. But even if he is a full time starter, I still have no interest. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah. Now the ADP is what interests me. Other than that, not a whole lot else does. Well, so let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll let's see if I'll
1: just give you names. I'm curious now because like if I'm over here saying I'm not in on them? who am I in on? I have a story to see it going around six ninety two. Since then. Um, I would have taken Jake Alou before the signing. Uh, I'll take Ramon Urias because even though he's a part-time player, at least he's going to play two, three days a week, and, I, and he's on a better team. Um, Gavin Sheets, that team is tanking. Why won't they play him against righties? I'd be surprised if he doesn't play two or three. And I, I trust in the like. I'd rather take guys on a per plate appearance that might offer more than a guy that might get like five gate games, five games a week at least initially, and not do anything. Uh Dave Davis and De los Santos for the uh, Guardians. Rule five guy, I'll take him over, Garcia. Uh Joey Gallo. Obviously, he's gonna move up, but that's an easy one. Um, yeah, it's I understand it here, I guess. I don't know. I've just I've <laughs> I'm not usually just a oh, there's actually a guy here on the Marlins I'll take who's not even up with the team. I'll talk about him later. All right.
0: Um, well, we'll get to him. Yeah, but let's get to Brian De La Cruz, who there were high expectations for last season. Comes in with uh in 1533 games, it's 19 homers, it's two fifty-seven, still extremely young. And he's getting drafted around 284, which is nice because like, Parker Meadows is there, Chris Bryant, MJ Melendez, it's like your outfielder, Kepler, uh, Buxton's even there as a util. Brian De La Cruz seems to be a guy continually improving each season, and um, I'm curious your thoughts on him. Is there another step in this? Or are we are we in on Brian De La Cruz?
1: I have one share, so maybe I'm missing something. I I know he underperformed his X stats, the x Wobo, most notably, like 21 points. So I think there is something there a little more than last year. He hits the ball relatively hard, you know, 47% hard hit rate the year before, 425 half the year we got last year. Good barrel rates, not not great. You know, the one, he spiked 11.9%, 8.8% carried over, just solid. Like, good max EV, so the power potential's there. Uh, elevates the ball rather well, 41% ground ball rates the last two years, each of the last two years for um, for Diller Cruz. So, yeah, he doesn't, I don't know, man. There's something, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't want to bank on it, so I think one of those guys where like let's see the projections or something I'll probably trust on them. The twenty to twenty-one home runs is what they have them for, batting two sixty-two. It's almost like Josh Bell. <laughs> like it's, it feels like very Josh Bell. Like I do think there's a path to more power potential. Then like I think he could be a mid twenties home run guy. I really do. He has a really good sweet spot percentage, so it's one of those things where he makes the quality of contact is kind of there for him, but still something that man I don't know. I feel like the expectations were a little too high. But his new price isn't it's not bad. I just it's affordable, it's definitely affordable. I think it's just a guy that I haven't I just haven't found myself all that in on and I don't know why because like I say I got one share. I'm trying to find the there it is 284. Yeah, and that's a good price for him, but I feel like that's that's the problem. So he's going around guys like uh um, uh Parker Meadows, which upside is there's more upside there, but buying bucks than more upside there. A guy who could gain eligibility rather soon if they actually believe. And if you actually believe Buxton's going to stay healthy enough to play those 10 games in the outfield, because the team has mentioned he will be play the outfield this year. Uh Nelson Velasquez, we all know the upside there. Uh Tommy Pham, people might want to take a shot on him because he showed some power speed. And once he signs that ADP is going to jump up. So uh, it's just one of those things where there's so much potential here and he kind of falls flat on that same level of upside. I think that's why he gets overlooked by me personally, but there's worse fifth outfielders out there because all these guys I just mentioned could bust. But then Max Kepler, I'll take him ten times out of ten over De La Cruz. But we all know my bias there for Max Kepler, a guy that consistently. I feel like Max Kepler and De La Cruz are the same player, <laughs> but I feel like Kepler has a little more ceiling, and I feel like the track record's there. So maybe that's why I gravitate towards them, But I know the health is also more of a concern, so that's mm-hmm. maybe why I shouldn't gravitate towards them. I don't know. I just wanted to give a few names of why I don't end up with them because I can sit there and be like, yeah, I don't
0: like them, but like, let me look at why. Oh, it's not so much Dela Cruz as much as it is the options around him I prefer. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's a very valid point. It's always comes down to who else is getting drafted. So I do appreciate that. Let's talk Jesus Sanchez, who you kind of hinted at earlier as a kind of a frustrating piece because we've seen signs of like it could be really fun. And then other signs, like hit 253, 14 homers in 125 games. Um, you look like the the barrel rate was great, the hard hit rate was pretty solid as well. So you're sitting there going, well, what are we doing here? He's got an ADP of three seventy four over the last couple of weeks. Are we getting back in on Jesus Sanchez, or is there still some concern there?
1: It's it's the fact that I think Sanchez, what we saw last year, is kind of what we should expect. He 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 again, he made a point to make more contact. He was going opposite field, and that was, I believe, I remember reading something that was like that was by design. He's still just twenty six years old, and uh, you know two forty. It's just one of those things where, there's not he's better. He's he's much better served as a. Uh, fab guy for deeper leagues like he'll be i guarantee you he'll be on my team a time or two over next year as a streamer because he's gonna get hot he'll hit against you know he hits against righties he'll play five out of six against righties so he's a guy that you will plug in and yeah he, ha- he could do that in dcs too i love this i love seeing the 12 barrel rate that's two out of three years it's been at least 12 the hard hit rate being a well i, I would call it career best because um the one that's higher is like a 14 event measure so we'll call it a career best 40 to 6.3 uh hard hit rate for for uh, Sanchez. But when I mentioned he hits more contact, now the ground ball rate spiked to nearly 50%, 49.4%. So if you're not elevating the ball and he didn't, he didn't pull the ball as much 34.9% uh, pull rate was the lowest of his career. He's so he was an all fields guy. So it goes back to ground balls went up all fields approach 30%, at least 32% to all fields. I, his, his power won't play his power. He has natural power that will, he can clear the park no matter which side of the park he hits it to, no matter what park it's in but you can't tap into it fully if you're not pulling it right so the ball he's scattering the ball all, all the way around he's hitting more ground balls those aren't reasons to believe that Sanchez will suddenly tap into that power but at the same at the same time if he goes back to selling out for power again do we see the the batting average plummet so uh there's give and take here i there's still swing and miss in the game and i don't know Sanchez is just a guy that He's just the guy, and he's. I think he is better to try to grab in when you're, you know, riding out streamers and facing team fab leagues. But DC's, I guess, because he's a healthy body on a team that's not making moves, so the playing time should be rather secure at least for you know the strong side of a platoon. I, I just I don't want to get my hopes up, dreaming on what could be because we saw a change in approach. So even though he has that, even though Sanchez has the power skills, I just don't know if that change, if that change in approach carries over, I don't know if the power
0: will ever really come through the way we want it to that's true that change of approach will will zap the power we've seen a lot of guys do that we always get frustrated with it but in real life baseball it might be for the better for sanchez so guess we'll see how that plays out anybody else of interest for you like everyone always loves john birdie when he plays he runs forever but how often is he going to play uh you mentioned xavier edwards curious your thoughts there because i like him was a late round potential steals dude so uh who are a couple guys we might need to keep an eye on
1: so i think xavier edwards has a easy path playing time. I could see him starting day one in right field over, over a guy like um, what's his face. I mentioned earlier that I hate uh, Garcia. <laughs> I probably, again, my Garcia hate is so bad to a point where it's like, I want to see Xavier Edwards just because Edwards is Luis Reyes esque. He, I will not ever say anyone's next Luis Reyes. Cause if he's batting 300, that's, that's absurd. But if there is a player to do it or be close to like a 280, 290 hitter, I think Edwards has that profile. The hit tool is legit, makes a ton of contact. No, like the swing and miss, like he's able, he has such a great eye for the zone. Edwards is a guy that could easily hit for high average and that this is a team that seems to really like that. So why wouldn't they give him a chance to play? They were getting him ready to play the outfield last year. He could definitely be more of a util type because I could see him bouncing, you know, infield John birdie outside outfield. I think John Birdie has a regular role. He's another guy I really like this year. Uh, Birdie, it was like a really fun fact. I think he was like top ten in ISO the final month of the year, or top three or top five. It was something stupid that's not going to sustain, but just a fun stat. Like John Birdie tapped into a little power that I don't see that being there but i think birdie's playing time is the most secure it's been in like three years and no one cares <laughs> nobody wants him. and when you look at this team i don't think brujan's gonna supplant him for playing time i don't think i don't think edwards will supplant him for playing time i don't think garcia will get in the way of his playing time i think birdie might not play every single day but i see birdie being a guy that plays five out of six five out of seven games rather easily for this team the way it's laid out a, a guy that they might want to build that that trade value up for as well considering he's a free agent 2026 so he's and he's very two point we're talking about a 2.125 million dollar player so very affordable a uh, piece for a winning team so like a, a team like the, Mar- uh, a team, like the Marlins, a team like the dodgers could easily be like hey you know what michael rojas isn't working out which is also a former marlin or hey chris taylor isn't working out but john birdie's there very affordable not that they need to save money but we're talking about guys very affordable a great util type for a team that could be contending i could see them building that trying to build that by letting him play it out and showing that like, he's more than just the util type for some teams. But imagine having a guy who hit, like if John birdie was able to hit as well as he hit last year or has been, you know, in terms of an asset for a team that's competing, I think that has value. So I think the Marlins could easily be like, Hey, let's showcase him, And that's kind of where my head's at with birdie. Uh, yeah, so that's why I'm in on birdie. Then, and like I said, I I like Edwards because I think Edwards can carve out a role a larger role than we anticipate sooner than later, if not from day one. It really is going to depend on what the team wants to do with Garcia. I really think they're going to want to try to see what Garcia has left. I just don't trust Garcia to do anything, so maybe I'm hinging a lot of this belief on Garcia being toast. Yeah,
0: it would have to be a toast thing because I think they will give Garcia a pretty good leash, I'd imagine. they, they shouldn't, shouldn't but runs. again, you know, I think they will is because they want to be able to trade him if he's to get anything, anything going. But I hope yes. Edwards gets his chance. I'm, I'm with you 100% there. The birdie so, take, the birdie take, I never thought of it the way you just described it. And it makes a lot of sense, actually, that he should get plenty of run and either get traded or um, something else will happen because they really don't have a guaranteed shortstop at the moment. So that's a, a very good point that playing time should be pretty solid, at least out the gate for birdie, which should really like, – in a ton of uh, stolen bases and whatnot. So I do like that. I need to get a little more attention to birdie on draft day now. And he's third base shortstop eligible. That's tremendous corner infield, middle infield that way. In late. the reserve rounds. Yep, that's really, really nice. That's a good call. I need to keep it keep an eye on that a little more. All right, let's head to the bump. Let's talk about one of my favorite pitchers on the entire season. I have a lot of shares of this man. I know you like Jesus Lazardo as well, so I'm not going to say he's my guy because you've been on Jesus for a little bit. Um, he was really solid last year, 3-5 RA, 178 innings, which I love to see strikeouts were there. Kept improving as the season went on is what I love to see, the velocity and everything. So I, I'm big on Lazardo taking that step to ace hood this season. And an ADP around 79 the last two weeks, I will gobble that up all day long. So what's your thoughts on Lazardo in 2024? And if I'm wrong, please tell me.
1: No, I still really like Lazardo. I have a few shares. I like him and Eflin, so they go the same range of drafts. So I've mixed and matched those two as like an SP three, honestly, because I like I like could, those could a lot.
0: Say, could we say Lazardo maybe sealing Eflin safer?
1: I yeah, I don't see why not. I just think it's one of those things where I can see Lazardo taking a step forward in strikeouts as well. Again, I mean, here he did. I think he can sustain that. It's the whip, man. The guy had a one point two one whip, and I remember that being a killer. It pissed me off every year or all year. I was just watching, and it came with a three eleven bad. Can he can he fix that a little bit? But the problem is, is he's always kind of been a higher bad guy. But last year was the first year we saw the skills really come full. So can he can can? And it goes back to this team. I mean, Bell at first base, Birdie if he's your shortstop. Like this outfield, the outfield's not the best defensively. I, I don't know how much more. Like, I don't know how – I don't expect the Babbitt to get much better. This team doesn't feel like a team that's going to be a great defensive burger at third base. I don't think he's the best glove last night. I remember that being an issue in the past anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what to expect from this. That's why the whip scares me. That's the only thing that leaves me concerned about, like, can we get the best out of him while he's in Miami? Or is he traded to a contender with a good defense? And now suddenly that whip takes – the whip comes down a little bit because the strikeouts are there. He's not really walking a ton of people. A 7.4% walk rate isn't that bad. It's – um. I, I just I don't know. I, there's a lot to like here. I think L- Jesus, Lizard- Jesus Lizardo, L- Jesus Lizardo <laughs> if I stop eating my words or my letters, I think he still has a smaller step that he could still take. Which again, because I'm saying smaller step because he already took such a big one last year. I think Lizardo could easily be like if there's a guy that goes like in that range that turns into a top two round pick would be him, right? Like Lizardo could take that Pablo Lopez step. If he, it's a, it's a matter of getting the wall. It's a matter of getting that whip down. That whip comes down. I think the results improve across the board. And I don't. That's the only thing. But it's a big if, obviously, right? So I think Lizardo, we're getting him very solid. I like him. I view him as rather safe personally. I'm with. I think you and I agree there. And there's, I, I people are taking people were taking Yuri Perez over him. I couldn't get behind that. I think we're seeing a little bit. I've seen it shift a couple times in a few drafts. And I think that's appropriate because I think Yuri Perez, although has a higher ceiling than Lazardo, I really do think he does. He's also we're also banking on Perez taking that big step forward this year, right? That Lazaro took last year, and we saw Perez. And I'm kind of just going right into him because I know he's kind of the next one. So I kind of took your job there, right? Just kind yeah. of shifted into him. That's a great transition so, I have ruined by pointing out and transitioning. But yeah. uh, Perez yeah, is a guy yeah. that I think we saw how good he can be, but we also saw him. I think what we saw was him getting tired on the stretch and him kind of I'm flaming sure. out. And when we saw him flame out, we saw Perez flame out. We saw how the stats and everything regressed rather rather quickly and mm. i'm afraid that he'll start off super like he'll start off great prez is gonna be such a good pitcher and then what happens when he has to hit the new innings max again what we see yeah, the same he only threw form.
0: 128 last year between triple a and the big so what's he maxing out at 150 where lizardo can get to 200
1: well lizardo we all thought Lazardo would be maxed out last year too remember like that was a big thing we True. thought 150 was the True. ceiling for him and the Marlon said nope go get your innings buddy because he was the year before at the major league level i'd have to look at the minor league level but the Year before what, 2022 for Lazardo, let's see the innings pitch. It was like 100, 108, 112, basically. So he jumped and went from 112 80. to 178. Yeah, so I think going from 120 to 150, 160 is a pretty safe bet for Perez. So I think the innings are gonna be there. I think I just I'm, I'm more afraid of like the fatigue, and we saw the performance with the fatigue last year. I'm afraid of Perez kind of hitting that wall and then the performance when the fatigue hit and we saw that production take a huge swing the wrong direction, the other direction. So maybe Prez is great for two thirds of a year and that's fine. then that, at that point you got what you wanted out of him. but are you really ever going to sit him down the stretch? It would take like three or four bad starts for you to be like, all right, maybe he's a more streamer now. Cause I remember Lozardo was getting to that point where it's like, I remember sitting him cause we couldn't trust him cause he had two or three bad outings, lost the velo, lost the movement a little bit on some of the pitches and then found his groove again to end the year. So, Perez could easily fall into that thing again, whereas I think is built up more. So, that's why if there's a difference, I think Lazardo, that's where I feel safer with Lazardo. He kind of went through those growing pains, whereas Perez has one more year of growing. And then, Perez could easily be the better pitcher. That's why I don't, I, 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 there's really not much for argument if you prefer, prefer Perez over Lazardo. I think my argument comes to Lazardo has a pretty good ceiling himself with already having done the innings jump. So, that's where I'm at with the two of them. And I think they're yeah.
0: both. Really talented pitchers. It, it's, it's pretty interesting because Lazardo goes, or Perez goes one pick before Lazardo. So
1: now he does. Before it was like, before it, it was like, was like pretty, almost around yeah. it, it's slowly, I'd have to look. But I remember it being like every time it's like, I'd be up the pick and I'm like, why is Lizardo going this much farther behind Yuri? And I think yeah. everyone else kind of started feeling that way. And now you're seeing Yuri and him. And I think that they connect. do belong right by each other. That is that's the thing. fair. But I, th- I think fair. it's more so Yuri came down than Lazardo moved up.
0: I think I that's, guess, what, actually, that's what in the of differentiating factors can. Yuri handle the workload like he said, like Lazardo did last year, because Lazardo kept that velocity going towards the end. Can if Yuri can do that, he can probably surpass Lazardo. So it's it's just, it's it's just it's just such a big
1: if after game. seeing him flame oh, out 100%. the way he did the end last year. And I know, trust me, I get it. Full off season coming in as a starter, blah, blah, blah. You know, starters workload. Okay. I think he can handle at least one fifty, but and 150 might be all you need for him to return. He'll return value at 100 So, so exactly. if people were worried about innings, I wouldn't be. If, if, if Lazaro's usage is any indication of what they're willing to do with a pitcher, I think Yuri's safe for innings. I think 150 is like the low end, not the max. And I think people might be viewing him as a 150 max guy. And I think that that's – unless only injury would – I think only
0: injury would allow him – would stop him from going above 150. I agree. Uh Braxton Garrett, a lot of expectations on him last year, and he came through in a big way, I think. About 160 innings, almost a uh, 3.66 uh, ERA. Strikeouts weren't bad, almost a K per inning. Uh, WHIP 1.15. As a whole, I call it a win with Braxton Garrett. He had a few issues uh, after the blister that did kind of derail things, but he was locked in for quite a stretch of time there. That made him like an ace. So I I'm a fan of going back to the well here. ADP of around 179 seems pretty nice when it's like Christian Javier, Hunter Brown. I got Garrett, Bryce Miller, who's I like too. Shane Bieber, though. Like, I, I like Miller in that range, kind of. I, I like Miller in that range, too, but I, I, mean also, Garrett, like, sorry, I Garrett, also like man. Garrett, too. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I like um, Garrett
1: I, a lot. I, I've mixed and matched in this range. And like right now, I, I actually should probably check. I know I'm close to being up in the draft and he's he's still kind of uh, lingering there. And he's a uh, Garrett's the type of guy that it depends on how I build up my rotation. Like right now, I built it out. This one in particular has Reagan's Pavetta. And those are guys. I'm like, oh, those shouldn't be my three and four. So like, Garrett's like a perfect five on that team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 100%. like that's the type. That's the type of a. Uh, that's the type of guy that I'm like. That's what, that's how I view Braxton Garrett. He's a. He's almost like what you draft Stroman for in the past. You know, a guy that you're just kind of setting in there. He'll be a roster stabilizer of sorts, or rotation stabilizer, if you will. And um, the wins will be. Oh, Do I? I can't forget how many I remember those that bullpen and we'll get to them in a minute it weren't bad but i swear they blew every braxton garrett win or every Lazardo win it wasn't puck uh, uh, alone the reason behind Lazardo losing five wins or something crazy that it was a weird yeah, i would,
0: wouldn't shock me because i remember you I dude you every about puck just going downhill Puck pissed me off because he would just leave
1: one sweeper that hung and then that thing got deposited like 15 rows into any like side of the field and that just so frustrating because Puck has stuff too but yeah, we'll get to him yeah. shortly but uh, yeah uh, Braxton Garrett's just kind of a like, He's a solid safe. I feel like the floor is there. I wouldn't expect ceiling type of thing. Innings won't be a concern, might get traded, and he's easily a guy that could be traded to a contender without a doubt by midseason. But uh, regardless of where he's pitching, I think that skill set plays up. We saw Garrett change his pitch mix last year. We saw the velo increase a little bit, and I think those are things that kind of help at least help justify why you could buy the breakout and why you should buy the, it continuing. He's more of a finesse pitcher, hits the spots, very, can hit his spots pretty well and does what he does so i think garrett is a very safe guy i think he's just like you mentioned why not if you really if if you built out kind of a riskier mid like I, I just mentioned reagan's and pavetta being very in my opinion pretty risky to kind of have as your three and four garrett makes a lot of sense on that team so stuff like that it's kind of a very roster construction
0: type of guy 100 no i think there's another layer to garrett potentially too so I'm i'm a fan of seeing where that can go if he can find it Edward Cabrera, this is a guy that, you know, before Uri, before Garrett, even before Lozardo, it felt like we thought Cabrera would be the dude, and this has not panned out. Walks continue to be a tremendous problem uh, with 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 Cabrera, almost a, over 15% walk rate last year. Strikeouts are great, though. Still has an elite strikeout stuff. It's just one of those, please stop walking, people, and we can survive. It's just, do you want to take that risk? Right now, ADP is close to 300. I haven't been able to take that risk. I know the ceiling is really high where that floor is bottom of the barrel like the floor is lava with Edward Cabrera. So what's your thoughts here?
1: That's exactly it. We've seen him we've seen him walk the yard. We've seen him get by without walking anybody. Like there's a like I'm looking at like his game log right uh, last yeah. year, uh, June 22nd, 13 Ks, no walks. And then this is the same guy that will give you like but three walks for, and three walks over three and a third or three and a half. Like it's just one of those things where it's the walks just crush him And they come in bunches. Like we'll see him get by, like we'll see him get by a few starts. We're like, okay, no walks, no walks. And then suddenly he loses the command for a couple starts. And then he gets it back and we gets the starts back. And he gets command back, he flourishes. So very much a guy that you can't bank on with any sort of consistency. And he's changed his pitch mix up. He's done different. Like he's Cabrera's done things to like kind of address it and like try different things. And, Nothing stuck and i think it's one of those things where it's just one of those rides that you have to ride and if you if you want to take a shot but he's i think he's still more firmly in that streamer tier for me like a guy that i don't want him making up the back end of my i don't want him to be the back end my, guy in 15s because i don't want to, have to depend on him like he scares me to have to be at the like to, to depend on him but with that said i think there's few that have the ceiling he has in that range you know you have guys like waka mckenzie gore uh, these are guys going around Edward Cabrera for reference. Uh Luis Severino, who you can argue the ceilings there, uh Tyon more floor guy. Um, so Chris Paddock, like these are the names you're putting up uh, him up against. So I have no, no problem with him being in that range. I just I just remember the frustration watching as a fan. I didn't really have him anywhere. I was just watching, and dude, he could be dominant and he could be dominated. And I feel like there was like it felt very often that there was no in between. There was no like, eh, that was okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Eric Cabrera. I, I, I think there's a reason that, for optimism in terms of just looking at the skills. But there's also a reason for like, oh, he could be a multi inning reliever at times. I guess like yep. he could just like, oh no, yeah. man,
0: aggravating. <laughs> It's, it's annoying that's why i just kind of stay away i don't want to deal with that i think in a family you can maybe take a stab and just drop him if it's bad in a, in a draft and hold you're stuck with him, and that's like almost a dead roster spot if he's not taking the turn so oh I, and I, I, I was i was I'm looking there. at
1: the wrong game logs by the way for uh his for uh for that 13 strikeout thing it was uh, I, I i thought that looked funny it was a 12 strikeout thing against chicago for it yeah way. Uh, uh, but uh, but that's I tells, remember uh, the game. I remember that 12 right. strikeout outing came with five walks in that, but but so it's like uh but uh those sorry Oakland, 10 and 1, but it was Oakland, right? Yep. Um so yep. it's like like that's the thing, it's like there's games where he walked more than he struck out. That's aggravating. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't know. I Although was, I was like, I'm looking at these game logs, I'm like, those are the wrong game logs. I was definitely looking like, at the wrong game logs. I was like, There's no way because I'm like, Yeah, he walks way more than that.
0: Um uh, yeah. yeah. It happens. Let's talk some Trevor Rodgers here. A guy I liked quite a bit last year, but he is, could not get back from injury. And I really don't know where his head's at. They're saying he's going to be healthy. And so I got to trust that, I guess, to an extent. But we only saw 18 innings last year between the bigs and uh, the minors, I believe. No, no. yeah, No, he got he got a whole nine innings in the minors. So 27 innings last year from Trevor Rodgers, ADP of 340. I'm just kind of staring at him on drafts and moving on at the moment, Curlin. So I look, he, I dove into him a little more and that was more
1: so like self-serving. Cause I'm like, I feel like I've, i again, I kind of see him and he's there with Frankie Montas. He's there with Dean Kramer, Sean Manaya, And I'm like, Rogers, I think Rogers has the inside shot to get in that fifth spot assuming he's healthy. And then you start looking at the numbers. You're like, oh, I can see it. <laughs> I can kind of see it. small sample, more sinkers, less four seamers last year led to like a career best uh, 37% O swing. But you mentioned such a small sample that how much of that can we really take away from that? But he did that while still keeping that swing strike rate right around league average, I think a little better actually. So and the, the whiff rate being mediocre as well. So it was like uh like he's not really getting the whiffs in the zone, maybe, but he's getting people to chase. So there's something there that was working for chases. However, he still couldn't get the strikeout, like he still can get the KMS walk. I'm sorry, the ERA below four. So it's one of those things where it's like you can kind of see, like if you squint the right direction the sun's glaring on the screen not glaring on the screen you can kind of see it type of thing but uh it's one of those things where it's like i see him as a streamer type for sure early on he could if he was this year's braxton garrett in terms of not necessarily the same exact skill set but more so like the guy you pick up early off waivers and and contributes none of us would be surprised and it's one of those things where that's where he, that's where he's gonna be i feel like he's gonna be that guy that's like week one of fab week two of fab when he goes out has a decent start you pick him up as a cheaper starter that's like Maybe he has staying power. I think that's the upside there. Like the kind of guy that I had that year, like he's just he's good enough to be a bench streamer. I think that's kind of where you can look at Trevor Rogers and see that. But it's one of those things where there was something there, a little bit, a little something. Like I, I was excited and like and now it's like Oh, uh, <laughs> like I but I, I think there's just the apprehension cause he can't stay healthy. And I think that's where the frustration comes. Like, sure, you could squint and see some of these changes in 18 innings last year, and but it's only 18 innings. How would teams have adjusted? Would, would he have? Would Trevor Rogers have su- uh, sustained it? And like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just such a small sample. And we're talking even with all these little changes, all these little fun things to look at in his profile, a 405 Sierra, four era pretty much the four ERA was earned, but the 52% ground ball rate is very interesting. The fact that he was able to get his ground ball rate to spike like that. Like, maybe, like, that's why I'm like, there's something, like, there's something that was kind of there. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't have a lot of optimism. I don't think there's a high ceiling. I just think maybe that there's a chance there's a path to being Garrett uh Garrett ish ish. Yeah. I, I don't want to use the cause the skill sets aren't the same. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying like the use the usefulness is what I'm trying to
0: comp here. Yeah, I think I think I best it's a streamer right now. I gotta see a lot more health wise from Rodgers to trust him at all. So you can kinda... go Steven Matz. Stephen Matz is going to like Stephen I like Steven Matz a lot right there. So then, I just remember Steven Matz being really bad then really good again. Like, God, really, good, really good. And then he got hurt. So I'll, I'll, I'd rather take that chance, though. At least we saw innings out of Steven Matz. That's all I'm worried about is longevity. Clark Schmidt. But no, I've always been a Clark Schmidt guy. I wish he could strike out more people. I really do because everything else is pretty nice with Clark Schmidt. So let's talk bullpen. Tanner Scott led the way to end things out there. That was pretty uh, impressive, all things considered. He's always been like a late draft and hold guy in years past because he. We get his chances once in a while, but it actually panned out in 2023. Uh, I know Rob McCabe, who does a lot of uh, fab work on OCs and whatnot, said he was the most valuable fab acquisition on winning teams last year in 12-team OCs. That is Tanner Scott. So what's your thoughts on Tanner Scott, who starts the season with the job, but there are the A.J. Pucks, there are the other players in that bullpen that can be there to supplant him at any moment?
1: Yeah, Um I'm actually going to I think he's on I think he's on an expiring contract, so I don't think he's on the team by the end of the year anyway. So he might not even leave this team in saves come because of midseason. He could easily be dealt or he'd be dealt before the season even starts. It wouldn't surprise me. They have so many lefties as well. But uh, that's the thing. So the good thing is they have so many lefties. I think they have four in that bullpen. And because of that, I don't think being a lefty matters here. Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of this season. So he's an arbitration last year of ARB. And then he's a free agent. The Marlins aren't going to resign him. I just don't see it happening. So I think he becomes an instant trade candidate. And if he's not traded in the offseason, which wouldn't surprise me if he was, he could be traded early on in or by mid-season type of thing just because if he shows out doing just as well for half a year, he becomes a very va- valuable trade asset for the Marlins, a team that, again, I talked about that at the beginning of the show, what I expect them to do over the next few years, right, just from what I'm seeing, the moves the type moves they're making, whatever. So Scott might not be the team's, save leader by the end of the year or i guess in half a year he can probably still be but you get my point like we're drafting him i I, i've gotten away from him i i I was really in the price kind of shot up and i got out and i think you still get 20 saves out of the guy so that's really a solid guy but i I, i'm afraid that he gets traded as a lefty to a team that's competing right so they don't they either have a guy who's set in the role or they can use him as more traditional lefty out of the pen where he might factor into it but might be more of a high leverage guy now seven eighth inning where he's been in the past. So lack of track record of success like this, I feel like it's kind of been intermittent at times. And um, then the fact that he could easily, he's easily a trade target. I don't see how he doesn't get traded. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to talk myself in in the ways that he doesn't get traded and you really can't, you know, considering the Marlins where they're at. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot of optimism beyond the first half of the season. And even then it's like, I just can't get behind the price because I feel very strongly that he's not saving games in the second half, especially if he gets traded to a contender
0: yeah and that was very much uh the likelihood i'd imagine and then you got these other options in the back of the bullpen two guys i've been looking at and drafted hold league so why don't you discuss aj puck and andrew nardi nardi's a like, dude i've been drafting a ton at his price tag
1: yes yeah, see i have no nardi and that's probably a mistake and i'm one who, I'm, I'm, I'm actually the one who put the name on here too so that's the fun yeah, when i saw that i was like <laughs> i got a lot
0: of uh, andrew nardi and yeah because
1: uh nardi, uh, nardi looked gnarly hey oh yeah he, he was he was a nardy nardy boy he was yeah he's a <laughs> nardy boy i like it uh so yeah nardy just he's sh- always shown like the strikeout stuff in the minors but the difference was was last year he kind of got the walks under control still walks too many for your liking you know 3.3 walks for nine not <laughs> not ideal but it's under 10 which is nice um at the 21.9 ice walk rate so the strikeouts are there which is important especially being a lefty and uh, I think that why why not give him a shot? I mean, 13.5% swing strike rate, 34.8% O-swing. Those are better than league average for reference. The league average being 11.1% swing strike rate and 31.9% O-swing. So he's getting chases and he's getting swing and miss in this, uh, for strikes, uh, on his strikes. Um, I... Don't see why you don't like why wouldn't he be have a shot to close games again? It goes back to this team having a plethora of lefties, so it's not like him being a lefty is a problem. He's one of the three that we're naming, and AJ Puck is just an obvious name that I feel like he's obviously the next man up. But then again, could he be a multi-inning guy? They talked about building especially Puck up as a starter, especially with
0: Trevor Rogers.
1: I don't know why. Puck is being discussed as a starter when he can't barely hold the, the workload of a closer or a reliever. <laughs> I'm just it's a lot of sarcasm there. It's just frustrating that the Marlins are even talking about it. I get it. Puck was a former top pitching prospect. That's not really an argument. And a team that you want the Marlins. If anyone, if the Marlins are going to develop a player, you want that player, right? So Puck, very intriguing as a as the idea of a starter, but I don't think that's a realistic outcome. And if he is, was he a four or five inning guy? Starts maybe 20 games in the year, goes back to a multi inning role to help build him up. I don't know. So if he's being talked about as a starter, I'm curious to see the usage. Is it more of a multi-inning guy out the gate, builds up throughout the year? And if so, then that kind of takes him out of the closing role. But he could be useful as a multi-inning guy. He he could be pitching a lot of those five, six, seven innings, maybe be in line for a lot of like maybe six or seven wins, like a sneaky wins target. If he's doing that multi-inning role right behind the starters, even – or if like close games or whatever it might be, because the Mons are gonna win close games more than likely than any if they win anything. Um and Nardi just being a guy that we saw the skills there for him, and I think there's a path for him getting saves, especially in the second half.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 definitely with you. I think it's uh like I said, at, at his ADP right now, which over the last two weeks um, is 570. like I'll take that all day as a depth piece and end draft and holds. like that's the kind of guys I live for in those four. It's like he's a Griffin jacks that no one talks or not as many people talk about. Well, you're welcome. Then I'm glad we could bring him up today. Yeah, no, you did well. You did well. You earned your, your spot again next year if you wish
1: to take it. I can, um, I can definitely, if, if I can't make it, I have a few guys that are really, really good Marlins I guys. Know,
0: I know, this, Probably make, better than me, honestly. You'll, 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 you'll make it because you love to talk to me. So I just love well, talking. Yeah, so um, last but not least, well, I guess I can ask you one thing, if you can be quick with this. What is? Um, are there any starting pitchers we should be looking at that aren't up yet? Now we'll get to prospects. Don't get me wrong, but like, is there a longer? Are there guys that we've seen before? Because we've talked about um, already. Trevor Rogers probably not having a lot of innings in him. Edward Cabrera could suck again if, if, and that could cause problems. Um, who would be kind of the next guys up to keep an eye on or maybe take late stabs at?
1: I, I feel like six is the obvious name. I I have no interest in that though. Oh, That's no. just the well, name that comes it, to mind instantly. It is the obvious name, yes, but no uh ryan weathers he's shown flashes in the past that's, for a San good, Diego. that's a good good one like at least
0: he's got he's done it before i guess
1: yeah that's the thing he's shown flashes we've seen weathers find success at times and bunches right. like last year i remember looking i'm like oh man this guy has a back before i think before Barnes got him he was very um like useful and he was like a three or four start stretch where i'm like this guy could actually be a streamer and then i thought i put a couple i put like a- one adp dollar on of him, 742
0: him. that's actually pretty good for a dude that's probably i wouldn't be shocked if he gets at least 10 starts that's the thing. He's easily
1: this, like he could easily be the sixth man. He, he's actually in contention for the fifth, uh, for the, for the fifth starter role while also like between him, Max Meyer, Trevor Rogers, oh, AJ, uh, apparently AJ Puck, but I don't, again, don't believe it. Puck was, yeah, so not need to be it was, um. Starter. it was the first three starts of the year back in uh, March or April. Sorry, April. It was a uh, five, five, five innings, five innings, six innings, only giving up two and runs or less in each one. That was the, I remember this. I was looking at it, I'm like, man, he's, and one of those was against Atlanta. So I was like, this guy is really showing something. Like, but none of the underlying stats bought it, and then he kind of just bottomed out from there. He just up until his very final start of the year, right, where he mm-hmm. showed up against Pittsburgh, which again everyone was in the second half. So wouldn't buy it wouldn't much into it. But Ryan Weathers just being a guy that uh, there was prospect pedigree there
0: too. I believe at one yes. point I remember buying a card of his back when I was into buying cards. Was a former MLB pitcher. So I'm sorry, his father was a former MLB pitcher. So and he was a Indians. seventh overall pick. Yep, there was a lot of expectations from him.
1: So yes, and if there's a team that you want him to have a full offseason with, it's the Marlins, right? The Marlins to are Marlins fair, of teams.
0: to be fair, we could say there's high expectations for Cal Contral as well. But um uh, we we know how that's going.
1: Well now now they're mile high
0: mile high yes i love you so good um <laughs> i'm a dad but, just but yeah, as um, long as weathers can weather the storm with the fifth man on the rotation he should get some starts as well there it is um all right talk prospects with me here because if there are trades if there are screw-ups along the way it's going to come from the youth to help things out because they're not going to go sign anybody probably so what prospects are we looking at
1: Max Myers, the obvious one. I mean, I think he's firmly in the mix for the sixth start, the fifth starter role. So I, I don't think there's much that needs to be said about him. I think there's. I've heard rumors of like reliever risk in the past with him, just because of this. I think he's like a smaller stature and kind of like I think he was lacking a third pitch at the time. Twenty four years old still, so a third overall pick. I doubt they're going to not let him have a chance to start. Obviously, I just think long term there could be some reliever risk. I think that was a concern with him. He is only six foot tall, 196, at least as he's list on Fangraphs. So six foot tall. You know how the, there's all that talk around uh, what's his face? They just came over from from Asia. Um, wow. Uh, not Naga, but um, Yamamoto. Jeez, Yamamoto. All, all right. that talks about shorter pitchers, blah, blah, blah. Well, Max Meyer's kind of one of those guys. He'll be 25 for this year, right before the year starts. So, again, a guy that's probably not going to spend a whole lot of time in A, if if any. And I don't see why he can't come up and have an impact. So uh, Max Meyer is a guy that I've I've a few shares too. I not a guy I must get, but a guy I like to take a shot on. But one guy I just have one share of and I keep forgetting about him because he just kind of sits there and he's not on the 40 man. He's like a no-name guy. It's Troy Johnston. And I honestly was like, who is this guy? I saw I just happened to. I'm like, he's I'm like I saw his ADP was like seven forty. I'm like, who is this guy? So I took a share. Now he might have taken he might have simply taken advantage of being twenty-six years old at triple A. Like that could have been a big part of it. But between double A AA or triple A last year, if you look him up on fan graphs, the guy put up 26 home runs and 24 stolen bases. And he only got caught really stealing did. twice out of those two. Consistently puts up sub 20% strikeout rates, which is what you love to see with guys like this. Double digit walk rates at a couple stops over the last couple of years. Like, I don't know. like I feel like, like, is he just overperforming the level because of his age? That's the only thing I can think of because the guy just put up some like video game type numbers for somebody i've never heard of and oh by the way he plays first base like what <laughs> what first baseman do you know has 2020 potential right and i'm not saying he's going to do that but you see the play you see the play you see the play approach numbers now, obviously a high Babbit in triple a last year but a pretty realistic one at 319 and guys he's been carrying like oh 381 is a high Babbit for sure but he's always carried 330 350 these babbitt throughout the minor league level so he's Obviously, the speed's legit, so I guess the high Babbitts can sustain. The guy, he had decent barrel rates, if my memory serves, too. I was looking into more decent contact rates in the zone, but again, how much of that was just taking advantage of being older for the levels? Regardless, it's a Marlins team that lack. You, know, Josh Bell could be on the move. They don't really have another first baseman. Troy Johnson could be a guy we see be relevant ish and I I don't again I have one share a guy that I probably should get more it's just one of those things where it's like Joey Votto goes around there why would I take him over Joey Joey Votto is my problem or him over Joey Gallo which Gallo's gonna move up so it's one of those things where Johnson just never made the cut because I don't really have a whole lot of expectations out of him I don't expect the Marlins the little I don't know what they're gonna do with him I don't know what to expect. But I know what Joey Votto is. So it's like, like why would I? I so it keeps coming down to why am I taking this unknown upside versus Joey Votto, who probably gets a decent amount of run if he signs with the team, which there's multiple teams in, uh, interested. So we're talking about a guy that's like non existent,
0: honestly. And mo- I, I even wrote who because I was like, I never heard of him. Yeah, so I just had never heard. heard of him. I just looked at James Anderson's team by team, like top 20, and he's 18th out of the top 20 on the Marlins. But he's on a list. He's on a list. He's not so- on a list
1: anywhere else. like It's on paragraphs.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so James is looking at him. That's why I, I like – see, Fangrass, the one thing is it's a good list, but like and is more real life than than fantasy, so you have to kind of de- like pierce, like work through all that, where James is straight up, that's my fantasy list. And here's
1: the thing. The thing is if James has him as the 18th best prospect on the team for fantasy purposes, he's probably going to see playing time, and in the D.C., that's kind of what you're targeting. Because no, it goes back point. to the fact he's that there. He's, he's 26 years old. He's not going to be and, in the minors all year if he shows any.
0: There's no reason to. without no, without stealing all of James' work, he's only the second first baseman on this list, so there's not many options there.
1: That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm. Yeah. Uh, this team, you could, I mean, if you just look at the roster, you realize they don't have options. They don't have a whole lot. So one injury to Bell, which we've seen Bell get hurt here and there, um, one the guy just starts off hitting well because and then maybe they want to give him a shot because why not? I mean, they don't exactly have any reason not to give him a shot. Let's see who's the DH right now for them? Oh, Jesus Sanchez, Garcia yeah, we see Sanchez suck. <laughs> what well, if Sanchez sucks again? And this is and Troy Johnston is a lefty as well, um. So that could be easily a platoon guy. We bring up platoon him. It's just one of those things where there's plenty of paths to playing time here. And I have no, I don't have enough shares. I don't have enough shares of them. I don't expect to now. Now that I've talked about them, I expect other people to be in on them because that's just how it works. Um, people because people don't know about. Him. I didn't know about him until I saw him, and I still haven't. Again, it's hard to take him over Joey Votto, but maybe I'll build around this because I like I like the profile, but I feel like it's too good to be true because. Orns can't develop hitting. So there's something I mean, there's definitely something missing here. Oh, he's he's 5'11" 205, so he's not even like an overly tall guy with a big strike zone, which Speed is cool. Drill. Speed. Uh, just inter- just a very interesting name. Guy was like, "Huh, I don't think I don't think I've heard him on a podcast. I I remember mentioning the one person someone mentioned that I think um I, I want to give the person credit I think someone mentioned them on another podcast and I didn't hear that. So I want and it's definitely somebody worth mentioning too. It was on Pull Hitter Pod, from my understanding. Um Oh wow, and his name's gonna bother me. Hold on, I got right here. Matt Thompson. Thank you. I couldn't think of his first name.
0: Oh, uh, Matt Thompson. Yeah, and if Matt
1: Thompson mentions a guy. I usually listen. I haven't yes. I have to go back and listen to that pod because I believe he was on uh pool hitters pod with with uh and he mentioned that name. That's what someone told me because I was texting Dom about him, I think. And Dom's like, oh yeah, I heard about him on this. I was like, Oh well, uh, that's good company. At least I brought up a name that I, and I just didn't hear the pod yet. I actually need to go back and listen to that pod because Matt Thompson's a very smart guy, and I really, really yes, respect him i he's respect anything guy. he says about a player so if he's all live eye, everybody prospects live matt thompson if he mentions a guy i'm sorry what were you saying
0: prospects live matt Thompson. where so you can find yeah. the prospect
1: sorry yeah i should probably be more i'm just saying yeah mm-hmm. he's a he's a great he's a great follower just a smart dude and anything cardinals too that's kind of his thing but uh yeah. in general though smart dude so when he speaks about a prospect you, you should listen and that's why i was like when someone told me that he mentioned i was like sweet that makes me feel better but with that said, I still haven't targeted them nearly enough or at all. Honestly, like I said, one one or two shares, but just a end game guy that you can look at because there's just I think there's just, the problem is is like you can dream on so many end game guys. You, so it's like I like them, but then I also like a lot of guys around there. Like it's weird. Seven fifty Seven fifty feels like a like a like a hard area to find players until you start digging, and then you find reasons to like so many players
0: going there. All righty, real quick before we head on out. Final thoughts on the season for the Miami Marlins.
1: They suck and expect them to sell off whatever they can. New ownership, (laughs) same shit, and lacking of spending. That's why I wrote down
0: word for word, so I just wanted to read it. Perfect. Fifth place in the East it is. (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, Top draft pick in 2025 or 26, whenever it actually happens. But we'll see where all that goes. But again, as my friend, always a pleasure having you join me. Uh, Remind everybody where they can find you. On X, apparently, is what it's called, right? Um,
1: (laughs) At Mike underscore Curland. MLB playing time is kind of my main thing. I do freelance for The Athletic, and for Fantasy Pros, I'm actually a couple of articles behind for them. So got to get on that. But uh, yeah,
0: appreciate you having me on, as always, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure we'll chop it up soon yes we will i'll have you back on soon uh previews team league team by team previews are done in a couple weeks and i'll be firing up crazy amounts of uh draft content and whatnot so you'll be back for sure make sure y'all check out mlbplayingtime.com it's really really cool and more stuff coming that way but for now this was bench with bubba episode 639 your 2024 miami marlins team preview catch y'all next time